Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part one of the Gen X Mixtape Holiday Special, not to be confused with George Lucas's Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> where Alan and I will be curating side A of a mixtape featuring our favorite holiday music. How are you doing, Alan? Oh, I'm doing well. It's and been a few months. It has, but just like that, we are back at it. So I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. Actually, the next two. Uh, we're, we're trying our new format, of course, where it will be side A will be episode one and then side B episode two. So I'm going to try and tighten the episodes, but I, I, I am. I'm very excited to do this today. And uh, everything's going well. Of course, we are socially distanced here in the studio. We We are taking the COVID. Uh, I, I barely see you way, way back there in the right. corner. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're taking it very seriously. Um, so hoping it doesn't uh, make the conversation very awkward. I don't think it will. Well, I mean, we, we could yeah. see each other. We're just, you True. know. True, yeah. We're more than, what, probably 12 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet away from yeah, each other? maybe. Sounds so about right. We're, we're following the CDC recommended guidelines here at the Gen X Mixtape Studios. Um yeah, so let's just jump right into it. So we're going to try to make things a little bit tighter here. Uh, and we'll see, too, if the audience prefers this format. Um, we have a tendency to sometimes go on and on about things that are important to us, but may not necessarily be on the main line of what we were there to speak about in the first place. So some people might like that diversion. Um, other people we hear from may want it a more concise um, type package. And so we're going to try this out and see if it uh, fits more for uh, workout routines and, and, and long walks and, and commutes as opposed to three-hour epics that people have to listen to in three or four parts. Yep. Okay. So I just thought I'd start maybe by just talking about Christmas. Go for it. Okay. And, of course, we're going to include all the holidays here. You know, Christmas, obviously Hanukkah. We have Kwanzaa. And there are all sorts of different. You, some people include Thanksgiving and New Year's in that. So we're, we're talking, you know, the holidays. But I just wanted to say, you know, Christmas, of course, by definition, is the Christian celebration of the birth of Christ. But over the centuries, it has grown to include pagan and secular traditions, such as a Christmas tree, Santa Claus. Um, and it's become kind of more of a universal celebration of peace, love, and joy shared by Christians and non-Christians alike, which... I will then defer to you, Alan, as to as a as a Jewish man, how are you such a fan of holiday and Christmas music? Well, I, you know, it, there's a fine line because I love the secular music, uh, the standards, the crooners. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of that and, and loved it very much. And then, of course, you know, as a Gen Xer, the the songs from the '80s, every major artist released uh, a Christmas tune um i will say though that when when the music begins to get more religious religiously themed that's when i kind of tune out i i it's just not my holiday of course and you know it's frustrating too hanukkah is not christmas hanukkah will never be christmas nor should it be hanukkah is actually a very minor holiday it's not that important in in the faith uh it just gets a lot of attention because of when it falls and what other holidays fall at the same time. But, you know, it's almost like I'm Kyle Brevlovsky, you know, just a lonely Jew at Christmas. It's it's really disheartening for, for I think, a lot of Jewish music fans because your favorite artists release, you know, Christmas songs year after year. And it just, 
you do. You feel a little little isolated from some of the festivities. But Christmas music, there's just something about the cheer and, and the goodwill and, and just the fun part of it all. It's a season to celebrate. It's a season of family. It's a season of tradition. And I think that a lot of that comes through in the music and what's not to love. You know? Well, so I guess what I'm asking, it doesn't go against your faith. Oh, no, no. Because, I mean, I, I like to listen to music, not there are swaths of examples of them, but of other cultural, religious music that I can enjoy, you know, that I don't necessarily share in that particular belief system, um, but I can appreciate the music and the message. It's like any liter- literature, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there, there's, a, there's a lot to offer beyond what it may have meant to the original artist of that particular uh, piece of work. So, oh, great. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that's, I would think there's not that much of a conflict. Um, it, it's not that, you know, your rabbi would be disappointed if he found you listening to Bing Crosby in the closet or something. No, no. <laughs> I, I sincerely doubt that would be the case. No. Um, well, and two, so much of the Christmas music today is Santa-themed, which is not, you know, it's not religiously themed at all. I mean, so much of it is Yuletide uh, Well, again, that's the pagan tradition. Exactly. And as is the Christmas tree. Yeah, it, it's become so integrated and so diverse just within the, the recording studio that I don't think anything is truly... Um, yeah, it's it would be very hard to actually point to a lot of the songs that come out and say that is overtly Christian right. in theme. Um, and plus, so many of it is just about winter. You know, I, I think about White Christmas or It's a Marshmallow World. Just you know, various songs that are just telling us, "Baby, it's cold outside." You know, it, it's not quite the same thing. So, yeah, no, it's it's not uh, not in any way. I think. Uh, an aversion to to your Jewish audience. Um, It's just, it's fun music. And it's reserved for that one time of the year. I think that is what makes it so special. Because no one one plays Christmas music outside of, well, no one should play music, (laughs) Christmas music outside of December. Um, What what are your thoughts on that when it starts in October or November? It's funny you should say that because um, as a kid, I was a very sentimental kid. And um, I loved Christmas and the whole, quote, Christmas spirit, you know, which is that I don't know if it's something that you can experience. I'm sure, I, you know, Christians experience it differently, but it's just that that kind of the whole nostalgic feeling of having family, all the memories of past holidays, uh, the music, the lights. It's just kind of um, just a, a feeling. Right. And as a kid, you know, you don't want to get that feeling too quickly because you can burn out pretty fast on it. I mean, there were some uh, Christmases where, man, right away I was just all in. And then by December 15th, I'm like, okay, yeah, um, I've had enough, enough, right? (laughs) And, of course, we keep pushing because of the commercialization of everything. I mean, now you're seeing Christmas decorations mean in the store. Huh store what's that with covid right but at least right an online advertisements i suppose um you know as early as right after after it used to be after thanksgiving right uh now it's after after halloween you start to see the christmas stuff so it really is easy to get burnt out but as a kid uh it still kind of wasn't to that point um it was pretty much you know after thanksgiving that's when people kind of dug out the christmas stuff and and began the uh, the christmas season as a child however i love christmas music so much and I had my vinyl record player in my collection of, of records, and to my uh, much to my parents' dismay, would love to play Christmas records in in, in the summertime or in the spring. Really? <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Now, now this is this is pretty young me to the point where you know this is maybe you know four or five year old me, where they finally said, okay, here's the rule. The rule is you cannot play 
a Christmas song before Santa Claus appears in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. <laughs> and not after New Year's, you know, New Year's Day, I suppose. And so as a kid, for many, many, many years, I would tune into the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, and I would wait, and I would wait, and I never even got to see Santa Claus because as soon as the sleigh appeared on the screen, I ran down to the basement to the root cellar. We had an old house. To the root cellar where we stored our Christmas decorations, and I pulled out the cardboard box that had, I don't know, several dozen Christmas records and brought them up and officially started the Christmas season. So was, Christmas music was very important to me as a kid. So you were on a countdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally, is, completely. That is awesome. Yeah, no, I I have no problem after Thanksgiving. It's just uh, when, when I start hearing it in October, early November, it just, it does. It, it really, uh, really gets on my nerves. I, I don't like that it starts as early as it does. Um but, but really, you're right. Commercialization, it's like that for everything. You know, they start selling pumpkin lattes in July now, and it, it's just kind of ridiculous to me. Well, and today, we can control our media intake. Like we say, we don't spend as much time in stores as we used to. Uh, we don't listen, at least I don't, listen to the radio. Uh, and those that do listen to the radio are more likely to have satellite radio where you choose your own genre-fied station. And so it, it's, it, we're less likely to be trapped into that. It, we can kind of control that experience. Very true. Now... I have to say this is the most frustrating episode I've ever prepared for, and I'm not kidding you. Uh, last night, about midnight, I had my choices narrowed down to about 100 songs. <laughs> okay, th- I, I, I've always realized how much I love holiday music. I never realized. I mean, these were my 100 sen- essential songs. Now, in our new format, we are both, we've, since we're going to keep it a little bit tighter and we're going to have two different episodes, but we decided to add a tract, right? So now we're going to have 12 offerings for each of us so instead of 20 on our mixtape we're going to have 24 still choosing 12 was extremely difficult i don't think i had quite as much difficulty as you i, I definitely had a list of 50 to 60 i did not have 100 um i probably could have come up with 100 there's so much out there that is just wonderful and, and so excited to hear every year i'm so excited but um yeah, 100 is a lot. Well, what I realized so. here is we, we, had, we had, okay, there's so much out there that we could have had so many, like, sub-episodes. For instance, traditional Christmas songs, secular holiday songs, contemporary originals, classic standards, holiday TV special soundtracks, holiday novelty songs, winter songs, irreverent holiday songs, holiday movie soundtracks, jazz classics, pop classics, rock classics, classical classics, the list goes on. This could have all been episodes. So you pulled from all of that? I pulled from all of that. In fact... Okay, so did I. I probably have... Here's what I decided. This is my criteria. I decided I'm going to choose my 12 favorite Christmas songs from... I I didn't quite... I I didn't really check to see, but the idea was to kind of pick one from each of those subgenres. Okay. I I was... um, I I was not that, uh, you know... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Psycho. That works. <laughs> I was going to say I was not that analytical. I, I was not actually keeping tabs on my my genres and my decades and and the like. But uh, certainly, it's a very eclectic list. So, and I did I do have the requisite Hanukkah song for each side of our mixtape. I just felt that was uh, you know almost obligatory coming from the Jewish half of, of our podcast. So I did not choose that there. Actually, there's, there are a couple 
Hanukkah songs. Oh, really there are actually more than you would think. Yeah. And there's In one fact, I, one is by your aunts, I will add. Have you ever heard the Indigo Girls Hanukkah song? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't include it, but next year. Next year, she, they, the two make the cut. As so. much as I love the Indigo Girls and I really enjoy that album, I, I, I didn't even have room to pick anything from, from that album. So you know how many choices I had to choose <laughs> from. No, that's a good one. And there's another album I'm going to talk about. My favorite holiday album of all time. You'll be really shocked to hear who <laughs> it's by. has an incredibly beautiful Hanukkah song. Actually, two, I believe, on the album. One of which I would have included, but I figured I would let you choose okay. the Hanukkah music. Sounds good. All right. Well, we said we're going to tighten these episodes, and I think we probably just talked for about twenty minutes. Well, <laughs> we, had, we had to introduce the new we format. Do, we do. So, the, and part two, part two, we'll, we'll we won't true. need an introduction. That is true. Side A is going to be probably longer than our our you know approximate uh, sixty minutes. But bear with us because side B will be nice and tight and. You ready to jump into Even this? Even if we hit an hour and a half, it's better than three and a half, right? Wow, that's so true. <laughs> so true. Um, who goes first? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, because that was so long ago that yeah, we did the Halloween episode. I have episode, no so. idea. Well, uh... <laughs> Are we really going to spend a minute of valuable time figuring it out? I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Okay. Um, all right. Well, for my first uh, selection, I actually picked my favorite Christmas song. This is my all-time favorite. As did I. That's funny. I did the same thing. Okay. Well, mine comes from 1963, and it is from the compilation album, A Christmas Gift for You, from Phil Spector. Um, hands down, I mean, I would have been thrilled just to include the entire track list of that album and say, I'm done. I mean, it is really, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest Christmas album ever It is released. in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. And, and that it, says a lot, since yeah. I have so many Christmas albums. Well, and you know, Rolling Stone agrees with me. And you, um, they actually they placed it at number one forty two in their top five hundred albums of all time. Wow! Yeah. Not their top Christmas albums, their top albums. And it actually placed one forty two out of five hundred for the for Rolling Stone. The song that I chose, I, there are so many that I wanted to, but I chose the one original recording from that album. Uh, it's by Darlene Love, and it's titled "Christmas Baby, Please Come Home." Um, you know this song. We, we, we have a match. Do we? I didn't think we'd have any matches. Okay, already but, have a but match. Here, let me just pause to say it's not a. It's all right. I'm going to go back two steps here. With holiday music, as a holiday music connoisseur, okay, it's not just about the song, right? Right. It's just as much about the performance of that song because oh, so many of these songs have been redone by so many different yes artists. Okay, I weigh that just as heavily as the song itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is. There are a few. I should. There are a few songs out there that there may be two versions that I hold up in really, really high esteem, and it's hard for me to choose between the two. Okay. This is one of those songs. So we have a song match. We do not have an artist match. And I know it's sacrilege to not choose the Darlene Love version oh, because I'm fight you on this. That one. It, and, and I will. I will definitely. <laughs> okay. I will definitely yield to because as I'm writing this up, Sam, Alan is going to kill me for the sacrilege of not choosing the Darlene Love, which is the, the definitive version. But when we get to that point, I will justify my choice. Okay. Continue. All right. Well, the original, Darlene Loves, uh, and, and the album from which it comes, it really, you know, it had the misfortune of being released on the exact same day that President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. And because of that, it, it you know, it seriously dampened the holiday mood, and the single and the album were both withdrawn and shelved. Um, it, it actually lay dormant throughout the 60s and the 70s, 
But in the 1980s, covers and, and media uses started to help introduce the song to a new audience, and radio stations started adding it to their holiday playlists. It eventually became a Christmas classic, but it took decades for that to happen. And being an astute businessman, producer Phil Spector, he actually had Darlene Love re-record the song as Johnny, Please Come Home. And it was released shortly after Christmas in 1963. The song had the same music and theme, but the lyrics were changed to remove all Christmas references. Um, despite the rousing production from the Wall of Sound, though, the lyric of the song is, it really is rather doleful. I mean, the singer can't get into the Christmas spirit without her loved one, but Darlene Love, she always called it a joyful song. And she actually has said several times that when she's singing it, she feels that she's telling everybody to come home to their loved ones. And she's inviting families to get back together again. So uh, she says, you know, she doesn't see why why others consider it to be as, as sad as they do. Darlene Love, she came to the attention of talk show host David Letterman when he saw her in the Broadway musical Leader of the Pack in 1986. And he asked her to come and perform Christmas Baby, Please Come Home on a show. And every year he invited her back to sing it on the Christmas show. You know, Letterman was not a fan of Christmas songs, especially the novelty tunes, hated them. But he loved soul music, and he was always happy to have love bring the holiday cheer. Uh, the Letterman appearances, it actually gave a song a, the, the song a big boost, and it kept love in the, pop, in the public eye. Um, in, in 2014, Letterman announced his retirement, and Love sang the song on his show for the 28th and final time. And when she finished it, she climbed onto Paul Schaefer's piano at the end of the song, in an effort to avoid breaking down in tears. She knew that she would cry if Letterman hugged her, and so she took a seat at the piano because she knew he wouldn't follow her up there. So, you know, I, I grew up watching Letterman. I remember her singing this year after year. The first time I heard the song was in the movie theater watching Gremlins. That's what opens, you know, one of my favorite holiday films. And I'm just a huge, I, I have a soft spot for the girl groups of the 60s. Correctly, in, in college, you purchased the Phil Spector box set, which was a four-disc set, and the fourth disc was a bonus, which was the holiday. Yes, yeah, and Phil Spector album. You know, to this day, I would, I would probably say it is the favorite 
box set, my favorite box set that I ever purchased. And I had, I had a number of them. But Phil Spector, I mean, a lot of people say he overproduced and, and the like, but there was just something so magical about what happened in that studio in the early 60s. And the girl groups and, you know, the, the tracks that came out of that, that studio, it just, I, it, I, I can't get enough. I would be more than thrilled to do an early 60s girl groups mixtape episode. I, I, I would get lost in that opportunity. So, yeah. Song selection number one, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. For me, it was just a no-brainer. And I agree with everything you said there, which makes my choice even that's much more painful. But I think when we get around to that point, you'll, you'll understand my side of it. But I do yield to the fact that that is the definitive version. Um, and, and because of the Letterman connection, I think there was one year she didn't perform it because of the writer strike where I think they had to duplicate. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's just... Yeah, she's, and not only that, she's a Christmas staple from uh, Home Alone 2, right? She right. penned a song, or at least uh, performed a song called um, Alone on Christmas, I believe, yes. yeah. um, with uh, the E Street Band. And if you've remembered the uh, Saturday Night Live, Robert Smigel, Claymation, Christmas for the Jews, <laughs> yeah. I believe Darlene Love also performs that yeah, as well. Yeah, she did. So yeah. Um, she's great. It's a great, it's actually a really fun track. I didn't include it, but yeah, no, that that is a classic SNL skit, uh, the, the Claymation so. Well, I didn't think we'd have any matches, and we start off with a match. Anyway. Okay, well, let's see where it takes Moving us. along to my favorite Christmas song of all time. And you would think of the whole list that I ran down of the different genres and types of music, you probably wouldn't have expected my favorite to be from a crooner. Mm. But it is. Okay. It was also recorded in the 1960s. It was written on a sweltering July day in 1945. That's when okay. it was written. Um, lyricist Robert Wells was... Just, he was so hot. Of course, air conditioning wasn't prevalent back then. And so he took out his writer's notebook and he started just writing different phrases uh, that reminded him of Christmas and the winter season. And I don't know if this exercise work made him feel any cooler or not, but he put it on the piano. And his writing partner, Mel Torme, happened to be walking by and noticed these phrases in the notebook. And I think within an hour, composed the music for a Christmas song. Yep. Um, several recordings, of course, have, have been released over the years, but the definitive version is from Mr. Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was first released in 1946, but the 1961 stereo version with the complete full string section um, is, is the one, is the go-to. You know, and I, I knew that was your favorite. I feel like you've told me that over oh, I'm the sure years. I have. A if you've times. known me for any amount yeah. of time, you know that. Yeah, I very intentionally, very deliberately kept that off because I, I don't know, I just really thought that you were going to have it. So. And it, it is. I mean, it is just, it's a classic for good reason. I, you know, it's, it's, have you ever heard, I will say, I, I love Nat King Cole, definitely the definitive, definitive version, but Ray Charles has a great version oh, yeah. of it there, too. There, there are lots yeah. of really, really good versions of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. This is the one, and again, it goes back to my own childhood. There's a tradition, or was a tradition in my family. When my uncle was born on Christmas Eve. And really? so we would have, yeah, so we'd have a late night dinner out somewhere, usually in a very nice restaurant, to celebrate not only Christmas, but his his birthday as well. And as a kid, I remember, you know, we'd get dressed up. It was usually pretty cold out, but, you know, driving to the restaurant, seeing the lights, and, of course, in anticipation for the Christmas morning to come. And one year, this song, I don't know if it, it might have been on the radio. It might have actually been played by the piano player at, at, at the restaurant where we were eating. But somehow this song came across my radar and it just fit all of that nostalgia. And that's why it's become 
my favorite song. In fact, I no longer necessarily wait till, to see Santa on the Macy's Day Spring. But when I decide to actually start my Christmas holiday music listening, which I've already, of course, now to prepare for the show, uh, right. I've had to start, yeah. this is the first song that I play. Huh. And talk about mixtapes. I used to make mixtapes for people uh, for Christmas. Last, I should say now with Spotify, I haven't done it in a long time, but I did it once. Well, um, it was a cheap Christmas gift. Yeah, it was a cheap Christmas gift. <laughs> exactly. um, I actually would, would do it for coworkers, pe- people to add, just because I, you know, I'm, I'm psycho about Christmas music. They knew that I had all sorts of different interesting selections. So people would ask me, my wife uh, had me make a few throughout the years for um, people at her work and so forth. I always started it with a Christmas song by Neck and Cole. That's hmm. tradition. Every single Christmas mixtape started with this song, and then the rest, of course, was different. So. It's a very mellow choice to open a, a mixtape. Well, you're going to find you're going to find for me Christmas music. There's a lot of there are a lot of fun festive choices that I enjoy, but I'm always I'm usually always going to choose the vibey okay songs because to me it's about sitting in front of the fire. It's all the clichés, right? In uh, front of the Christmas yeah. tree with the lights, with my coffee or hot chocolate, listening to these really nostalgic vibey songs. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas to you Absolutely, it's a great song. All right, we got our number ones out of the way. What's your number two? All right, well, my my number two, I am going to go on record and say it is hands down the sexiest Christmas song ever recorded. And again, the definitive version is the original. It is by Eartha Kitt from 1953, and it is Santa Baby. I'm surprised that you didn't choose the Madonna one. No, Madonna would be my last choice. Because even though, yeah, the definitive one is Eartha Kitt, the Madonna one was, I, I think, at least for Gen X, put... Not only did it put that song on the map for Gen X. True. But it was at the peak of, of, of I should say, peak of Madonna's 
introduction to the world. It was. The problem with Madonna's is that it's too up-tempo. She actually speeds it up a bit. She does. Um, in fact, I, if I were to go with different versions, Victoria Hart, which I don't know if you know who she is. She's a jazz vocalist. She has a fantastic rendition. So does Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue's is it's pretty darn uh, sexy as well. I Now, Eartha Kitt, there's something about her voice. I love Eartha Kitt. And, and many people confuse that version as being sung by Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, they do. They do, actually. Uh, Kitt, I mean, she was just a sultry nightclub performer. You know, she earned her record deal with RCA in 53. And, you know, RCA tried to play up her image as a sophisticated vamp. So they had to record first a French song called C'est Bon, it's so good in French, which put her on the radar. But at the end of 1953, Joan Javits, who was the niece of U.S. Senator Jacob Javits, he wrote, uh, she wrote rather, um, Santa Baby for Kit with Philip Springer, and it became a huge holiday hit. And it, to this day, it's still Kit's most favorite, uh, famous song. Um, Kit was just a talented singer. She had that distinctive voice, and her unique style was enhanced as she became fluent in French during her years performing in Europe. She actually spoke four languages, and she actually, you know, she could sing in 11. And she demonstrated all this in many of the live recordings, especially during her cabaret performances. Um, Diana Ross has actually said that as a member of the Supreme, she largely based her look and sound after Kit's. Um, you know, I, I just, Eartha Kit is just, she's phenomenal. I, I, I love her voice. I I, I love everything she's done. I mean, she's just one of those classics. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby A 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you dear Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight of all the fun I've missed Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good If you check off my Christmas list Santa baby I want a yacht and really that's not a lot been an angel all year, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Sadly, I don't know if you knew this, Kit died of colon cancer on Christmas Day mm. in 2008. Uh, it was three weeks short of her 82nd birthday. Um, you know, just like... Uh, Christmas Baby Please Come Home though this is another song that really lay dormant uh, because when the song was first released the following year they actually uh, had written five different versions of this song each with different lyrics and it confused you know record buyers and 
the the actual songwriter after after Kit's version, they could not find anybody to record this. Nobody would would agree to do it because it it was so confusing with all the different versions that that existed. It actually lay dormant until Madonna picked it up in 1987. That that was basically not only did it introduce it to generation x but you know that was for a lot of america the first time people had heard this song at all yeah because it it was her version was 87 which again was kind of the height of her material girl yeah phase and that fit perfectly with the material girl oh it did absolutely uh, persona so there's my number two all right that and that's one too where i would struggle because you're right eartha kitt's version is the definitive version but Madonna's is also a definitive version, like in a parallel, not parallel universe, because it's in our universe, but you and I mean, like, like they're on different <laughs> tracks. They're different experiences, yes. you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Just simply because I don't think many Gen Xers are necessarily aware of the original. I mean, they probably heard it, but I don't know if they're as aware of it as maybe some of the other yeah, Christmas know. classics, so. Not sure. Excellent, all right, my number two is from my favorite holiday album of all time. Okay, and you probably could name about 50 artists before you get to my favorite holiday album of all time. Okay. Because it's not one of my 50 favorite bands or one of my 100 favorite bands. I like them. We've featured them twice on our show. But it is the greatest holiday album of all time. And that is Bare Naked for the Holidays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the Bare Naked Ladies. Quite a few Hanukkah uh, tracks on there, too. Yes, that's what I mentioned. Came out in 2004. Um, It includes, okay, so this eclectic mix of traditional hymns, contemporary originals, Hanukkah songs, there's an electric. There are several electric organ instrumentals, which my grandmother had a, actually two uh, electric organs that my aunt used to play. So it was kind of that. I don't want to say kitschy. I guess I will, but just kind of that. I don't know. Late '70s kind of vibe. Um, you also have um, track for track, like just no more diverse holiday offering from a single band that I can possibly imagine. Um, if you haven't heard this album. First of all, look it up on Spotify or buy it. Start it with the first track and just listen to it all the way through because it is it's an experience. It's a oh, ju- it it's a journey. Yeah. No, I I, I bought it uh, pretty much the the week it was released. Right. Um, you know, Stephen Page, you know, he's the lead vocalist and guitarist of Bare Naked Ladies. He's, he's Jewish. Right. So when I heard that there were going to be Jewish tracks, I, I yep. immediately ran out to get it. And you're right, the entire album, start to finish, is just phenomenal. Choosing a track from this album was incredibly difficult, of course. Just about any one of them could have made my list, including their version of Jingle Bells, which includes the Batman verse, right? Right there, that's <laughs> yeah. just that's worth the album right there. Uh, a song called Deck the Stills, which simply repeats the band members' names to the tune of Deck the Halls, classic. <laughs> or the beautiful God Rest You Merry Gentlemen with Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. And that's probably the one most people know from this album. But I choose a fun little original that's a holiday staple in our household. My kids can sing it by heart. We've listened to it over and over again in the cars they grew up. And that is a little song called Elf's Lament. Mm-hmm. I, f- I figured that's where you were going. Which discusses the working politics of Santa's elves and how they're looking to redefine their terms of employment. It also features a barely known crooner at the time, a fellow Canadian by the name of Michael Bublé. Season to be jolly, but it's folly when you volley for position. 
Never in existence has there been such a resistance to ideas meant to free us. If you could see us, then you'd listen. Toiling through the ages, making toys on garnished wages. There's no union, we're only through when we outdo the competition. Not only is it a fun, you know, I'm a music first guy. Not only is it fun lyrically, but musically, it's just a great upbeat song. I would never have guessed that was your favorite Christmas album. Yep. I, I'd never. And, and I have a lot of favorite Christmas albums. I could rattle off 10 or 20 right now, but that mm-hmm. is my number one. Yeah, I... I don't know why. You're right. That shocks me. Because it has a little bit of everything. It, it does. It absolutely does. It's the most diverse Christmas album for sure. And that's what I like. Okay. No, that's very cool. All right. My, my third track. Here's my first of two. Well, my first and only for episode, uh, for this episode, part A, side A. Um, my first Hanukkah song, and it is by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It is Eight Nights of Hanukkah. Um, I thought you were going to choose Big Balls. Big Ball? No. I was going to choose balls. Big Balls, but I figured you were going to probably pick something from Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Yeah. So. Oh, I, you know, a year before she passed, um, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, they released it to Holiday Soul Party. And Jews everywhere owe her a debt of gratitude. Uh, for years, while every store blasted Jingle Bell Rock or All I Want for Christmas, Jews really had to find respite in the one quality Hanukkah song courtesy of Adam Sandler, right? Or the dreidel song. Or the dreidel. (laughs) Oh, come on, let's be honest. uh, That's the only one I knew before Adam Sandler. uh, Yes. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to, we're going to forget that you said that. The the, the dreidel song is on the, it it is. Bare Naked Ladies album, by the way. Well, they even do the the candle blessings on on their album. Um, But yeah, basically in 2015, thanks to Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings folks, we members of the tribe were gifted with a soulful tune to hum during the holiday season. Um, you know, the, the dreidel, the, the four, four Hebrew letters, uh, they, they form uh, the sentence Neskadol Hayasham, which in Hebrew means a great miracle happened there. And in fact, it did right in the damn Daptone Records recording studios. Eight Nights of Hanukkah was this swinging soul single that Semites never knew they were missing. I, it, it hits all the right holiday marks. Um, if you haven't heard it, you're missing out. I mean, the entire album, really. I'm just, I'm a huge Sharon Jones fan. Um, and, you know, this one is just. It's one in, of the I would ages. say it's in my top 20 favorite Christmas albums. Yeah, always. And I have hundreds, remember. So right. that's saying a lot. Yeah, no, this, this album is just phenomenal. Um, Eight Nights of Hanukkah specifically, it, it's a truly fun, inspired, and original Hanukkah song. Uh, the rhythm section keeps it in the pocket. They deliver a mid tempo Motown dance beat. Um, you know, the, the bright uh, horns, they bounce back and forth with the backbeat, and Jones' vocals, they just wail and soar throughout. And of the few notable Hanukkah songs that are out there, most are part of a cringeworthy parody culture that kind of breeds another embarrassment year after year for the, for the Jews. Like the movie Eight Crazy Nights? Yeah, well, well yes. <laughs> so, but, but Eight Nights of Hanukkah, it, it's not a novelty. I mean, the, the drum-heavy countdown is a spot-on recounting of exactly what the Hanukkah experience is like, and it just oozes soulful cheer and gives your hips and feet all the direction they need. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
extra bonus i don't know if you've ever seen it check out the band's schoolhouse rock style animated music video that they dropped hmm. for the song uh it's old school animation uh, and it it really uh it just heightens the song's playfulness i mean it really does when i when i watch it i'm just immediately i, I think schoolhouse rock every time that's what it what the video reminds me of from start to finish it is the perfect accompaniment to to a game of dreidel <laughs> so we'll leave it at that so break out your manischewitz folks it's time to celebrate with sharon jones and great choice. that is my number three great choice well my next um artist is jewish well he was jewish he converted to christianity in the late 70s ah but then he converted back but then he converted back did he convert yep. back yep mr zimmerman is a jew again yes i'm talking about bob dylan yep now <laughs> bob dylan in 2009 put out a christmas album and this Christmas album called uh, Christmas in the Heart. I'm, you know, I, I've heard this album, and to me it's just cringeworthy, Dave. What well, it depends pick? on what side you fall on this argument. Because, oh, okay. Okay. yes, a lot of critics had issues with it. My guitar teacher, at the time I was taking a few guitar lessons, and my guitar teacher, um, actually, I, I, was learning, I was learning a Bob Dylan song, and Bob Dylan actually played in Canton that same year. It was all the same week. That he and he dropped this album at the same time. And I remember a guitar teacher saying, "It's kind of like he just walked into the studio, uh, sat down, laid down ten tracks, and said good enough and walked out." That's exactly what what it is. Um, and and it's so saccharine too. I and mean, you have his his grisly nasal vocals, which should never be paired with Christmas. And then you have these background vocals that are just so saccharine and sweet and say, oh. Well, and we established the fact that, you know, after this album was released, he put out a few albums of standards that he actually can. And the standards are, in fact, I used one in a previous right. episode. Right, correct. So yes. he, he, it's not that he, a lot of people found out this time he had just completely lost any semblance of voice that he had, yeah. um, which is not the case. This is Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan makes artistic choices, okay? He does. Now, I will say, I agree with some of that uh, some of those assessments on some of the tracks, but okay. I don't think the album is a complete waste. Um, this is not a album for the casual listener. Okay, no. If you are a Bob no, Dylan fan no. I, and you haven't heard this, I'm assuming you have. But if not, you should listen to it and make your own assessment. But the critics just completely either the critics completely panned it, or they said he's clearly being ironic. They said this is his way of just making some statement about Christmas. To which Dylan said disappointed uh uh-uh, not at all it was not being ironic he goes even at this point in time the critics still don't know what to make of me yeah that's very so true. he is making a choice and you can take it or leave it with dylan he's earned that right okay but true. there are a couple bright spots there are a couple bright spots on this album and the biggest bright spot 
is a song that was based on a German drinking song. It's not an original. It's been around since I think uh, Mitch Miller was the first one to record it in 1960. But it's a little song called Must Be Santa. Mm -hmm. There's even a video for this song where there's kind of this out of control party. It's a very good video, actually. I've never seen the video. And this is, I mean, Dylan's voice is perfect in this. It's, it's, It's classic Dylan style. Actually, you know, after having panned it, I, I own the album. So, <laughs> but but it was more I, I purchased it out of a novelty more than more than anything else, and I've, I've I've enjoyed listening to it. But it's not one that I would actually put on with the intent of, you know, uh, introducing it to others for celebration or or ceremonious uh, holiday uh, festivities. Well, so. this is the, this is the one song that we play on this album. I mean, we have our mixes, of course, and this right. always makes yeah. the mix. So, you know, I guess, yes, we can just debate the rest of the album, but this song is, is leaps and bounds above the other tracks. It is. And no, one another that. that's kind of a fun aside, He, it's kind of a call and response song. So if you haven't heard this song before or his version, it's kind of a call and response. Um, at, at the end, um, you know, the original talks about different Santa's reindeer. He includes uh, modern presidents. He lists the modern presidents at the end, um, which is a nice little touch. And... This is just kind of a quick aside. Uh, Zoe Deschanel's, she has a folk duo. Mm-hmm. Some people she are familiar. Him. But she and him. And they have a few holiday albums. And they recorded one in, in 2016. And, of course, most people, uh, most artists record their Christmas albums in the summer, obviously, because you right. need time. As a kid, I always wondered how they got in the Christmas spirit in <laughs> July to make the album. But, obviously, that's necessary. So, in the in the summer of 2016, they recorded a version of Must Be Santa. They recorded Dylan's version where they included the presidents, yep. but they updated it to include Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. 11 days after the She and Him Christmas record was dropped, of course, Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. Oh. Anyway, must be Santa, Bob Dylan. What a, this is the, the Elf's Lament's a pretty fun song, but this song's even more fun. This is a, a must for any holiday party when... When the getting when the going gets good and 
things get a little ruckus, you want to play Must Be Santa. Right. Now, of all the tracks, I, I give you that. It is a fun one. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Dylan, he, he converted, he became an evangelical Christian in the 70s. And yeah, mid-80s, he, he came back to the tribe. So I, I always assumed that he uh, didn't necessarily reject, but it wasn't as vocal with his Christian faith, at least from an evangelical standpoint. Um but returned kind of to this Jewish cultural roots and found a way to marriage them both. Maybe, I didn't know that he actually denounced the Christianity. Now he, I mean, he, so far as I know, everything that I've read said that he's, he's actually come back. Um, but, you know, one thing that, that our audience may not know is that I would be willing to bet at least 75% of Christmas songs that you know were written by Jews. Right. I and mean, overwhelmingly it's been Jewish authored, um, the Christmas music that you, You've come to love, and she and him is another great example. Zoe Deschanel is Jewish, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, lot of Hebrews singing singing the Christmas songs. So um, my next one is not Jewish, um, nor is he O.J. Simpson. So I will just get that <laughs> get that out of the way. This is not a Sandler reference. My next one is Backdoor Santa from 1968, and it is by Clarence Carter. Which which, which you may be um, probably jumping the gun here, but was banned from an album later in the 80s. But go ahead, continue. Mm, yeah. Well, it was co-written with Marcus Daniel for the 1968 compilation Soul Christmas. And Clarence Carter's Backdoor Santa, it adds a touch of raunch oh, yeah. to the holiday oh, yeah. celebrations. Um, here, Carter barks a number of double entendres over a bleeding horn section and chopping funk guitar. The song is overtly uh, sexual and and was incredibly racy for the time, but it's absolutely nothing compared to what was coming later in his career. Um, I mean, in fact, it's really quite tame uh, by today's standards. As Carter moved into the 70s and 80s, of course, his songs took a decidedly adult turn as he embraced the kind of body, innuendo-laden, comical, good-time roadhouse sex funk that... Like stroking? Yeah, like stroking. That, that made him... <laughs> that, well, really, it, it was a... It was a subgenre that made underground powerhouse performers like Marvin Cease and, and Bobby Rush, I don't know if you know them, very gritty and beloved icons. From I Got Caught to Dr. C.C. to, of course, yeah, his best-known party anthem, Strokin'. Uh, there was no lyric too, you know, rubbled for, for Carter to sing. He unabashedly sang or spoke at length about his sexual relations. So, you know, this era of Carter's work was highly influential, and it can be... Strongly heard today, still in the songs of new Southern soul performers like Obi Buchanan or, or Sir Charles Jones and Mr. Sam, but but over the course of a long and winding career in music, Carter is perhaps best remembered for Backdoor Santa uh, at the holidays, either that or Patches, um, which which came soon after, which we featured on which one we of did, our shows. yeah, that was a Father's Day episode. Um, yeah, Backdoor Santa, Backdoor Santa, it, it draws heavily from bluesman Willie Dixon's Backdoor Man. And the beat is so head-snappingly funky. It was sampled, actually, for Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis, um, which I thought about putting on my list. Did not include it this year, maybe next year. But, yeah, it, it, they sample Backdoor Santa. And despite the brazen nature of its innuendo, Backdoor Santa climbed the charts. It, it peaked at number four in 1968, and it remains a Christmas staple. Santa, I make 
Performed and, and, and covered by, by Bon Jovi, Jet, the Black Crows. I mean, it's... Bon it, Jovi's it, the version that was included on A Very Special Christmas, right. which I'm going to talk about later. Yeah. And it was replaced after the initial pressing for a different song. I guess I don't know. I'm not, I assumed it was because people felt it wasn't appropriate for a Christmas album. And that's why a charity Christmas a album. charity Christmas, yeah. So that's why Could they be. replace it with a different Bon Jovi Christmas offering in the second pressing. Could be. I, yeah, I... I don't I just thought I, I had the original pressing, and then when I saw the initial, right. I, I just assumed that's why they took it off. See, the version complain. I have has backdoor. I wasn't even aware yeah. that they had mm-hmm. taken it off. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. Okay, yeah. what what song did they replace it with? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I tried to remember now because I don't have that version of it. I can look it up, but uh, huh. yeah, no, I, it would make sense. I mean, it's it's just a fun song. I mean, it's not. It, 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 as I said, it's very tame by today's standards. But on a charity Christmas album, I can right. I, I, I can see <laughs> right. why why they right. would. I, I was not aware that they did though. So, all right, sir, your pick. All right, for my next one. Again, these are all over the place. My my list is all over the place. Uh, we are going to um, tip our hat a little bit to Northeast Ohio and the New Wave movement. Mm-hmm. A little band that started in Akron, Ohio. Okay, called the Waitresses. Yep. Came out in 1981. This is a song that has kind of had a resurgence of late for we whatever have, reason. We have a match. Oh, do we do? We have, wow. We have a match. Yep, Christmas wrapping was Christmas on my wrapping. list. Yep. Do you know why this has had a resurgence? Is, what Did it appear in a movie or something? Or, I have no idea. That's what happens with a lot of these songs. Yeah. Because, again, there are so many holiday songs. And, you know, not, I sound like such a snob here, but there are so many of them that I know that I think no one else has ever heard of. And then they'll throw it in, in some holiday movie and then it becomes huge, which is great because everybody should, should share in the fact that it's a great song. But, um, this one I'm not familiar. I just know all of a sudden I, I started to hear it in stores. Yeah, and, and on, it really has. It's had a resurgence. My wife listens to the holiday uh, station on, on Sirius. We're in the, in the car, so it comes on there quite a bit. But it's actually kind of an anti Christmas song. In many ways. It was written by Chris Butler, who's the guitar songwriter, who was not a fan of the holiday season at all. And he was in New York City at the time and just watching the whole rush uh, as people were trying to fill their Christmas lists and, you know, the hectic nature of the Christmas season as it got closer to December 25th. And so he penned this song because the record company, they were putting together kind of a compilation. Record companies did this a lot, where they try to feature a lot of the different artists on their label by doing some sort of compilation. Right. And, And this one was a Christmas compilation and they asked the waitresses to to uh, offer um, a song and so he wrote this uh, song to quote rap uh, for, for Patty Donahue <laughs> the lead vocalist to rap and so think about it rap in, in 1981 is very much in its infancy oh, yeah. um, there was a song though by Curtis Blow called Christmas Rappin with an mm-hmm. R yep. and so this is where Chris Butler thought okay well let's just take uh, Christmas rapping with the W and kind of have a double meaning you know it kind of works and but it is it's not rap as as kids kids would know it today. No, no, but no. it definitely is almost stretch. almost spoken word. 
Yep. And really, it's just kind of this unexpected hit. It, it, it hit. Um, the waitresses, I believe, were on tour at the time, and, and they weren't getting big numbers out to see them. But after this became kind of a hit in 1981, people started to come out and see them again. And so the song that they did not want to record was actually kind of a blessing uh, in disguise. It's been art, you know, covered by many artists since then. Um, but this is the one that's kind of, the, you know, well, it is the definitive, but it's also the one that most people are familiar with. I never in a million years thought we'd match on that one. That, that's just, <laughs> that, that, that is hysterical. I am. Um, well, no, you know, I'm a new wave fan. Oh, well, as am I. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's just, it's such a fun song. Great pick, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so, All right. Well, we each have uh, an alternate to yeah, pick we at do. some point. All right. All right. Uh, well, my next one, I, I, this is service to our fans, but I have to admit it, it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, a lot of people might raise an eyebrow at that. And it's say, not Wham! Last Christmas. No, oh, thank no. You. Thank oh, you. Thank you. God, no. Um, <laughs> Whamageddon, folks. I'm trying to avoid the song. Trying my best to avoid Last Christmas. Let me guess. Um, I think I might know what it is. Okay. Because, again, this is a classic. I, I love this song. I'm not a huge fan of the artist. I, I respect her. Is it a her? It is a her. I respect her very much. I respect her vocal chops. I'm just not a big fan. Uh, vocally, she's amazing. But one of the greatest Christmas albums. It's one of my top probably five or ten Christmas albums. It just, it's been overexposed so much. I left yeah. it off my list. Are you speaking of Mariah Carey? I am speaking of Mariah Carey. I'm so Carey. glad you included it. Yeah. Because um, I felt it should be there, but I didn't. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I, I, I loved early Mariah when we were in high school. Um, you know, early, not, well, we graduated. Kind of her more soulful stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, someday and I just vision of vision love. Of love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, she, she kind of from that point forward just became, almost too big and she started uh well she, she started getting a little psycho for me uh quite frankly um but i know a lot of people love her and i you know i have to give props because this song it is just it is infectious i i look forward to it and i can tell you as a dj when this plays everybody everybody comes to the dance floor this has to well, be yeah. it is the most loved christmas yes and you know why song. you like it so much it's a throwback to the Phil Spector song. Oh, it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It may come as a surprise, though, because I don't know that people will know this. All I Want for Christmas is You was never released as a commercial single. That's correct. Um, it, it served instead to drive sales of Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas album. Um, 
on airplay, the song made number 12 uh, in 1994 when it was first issued to radio stations as a promotional single. And then it returned to the airplay chart at number 35 each of the next two years, establishing really a, a place in holiday playlists. By 99, the Hot 100 no longer stipulated that a song had to be sold as a single to be eligible. And with airplay now a factor, all I want for Christmas is you climb the chart to number 83. In 2010, the song found a new audience when a version by Big Time Rush made number 124. In 2011, it nicked the charts with recordings by Justin Bieber and Mariah. Yeah, the Biebs was a big, yeah. big version. Um, Michael Buble and the Glee cast. Um, in 2012, Mariah's original rendition once again charted, this time peaking at number 25. And then every year after the song returned to the Hot 100, it cracked the top 10 for the first time in 2017 when it hit number 9. And then the Christmas of 2018, it climbed to number 3. And then finally... 25 years after the song was first heard, it hit number one in 2019. Yeah. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just It was in my top 20. I mean, I kept whittling my list down from 100, and it, it remained for a long time. It's just been so, I hate to say it, like I'll it's still good. listen to it a few times. Yeah. It's such a great song, and I hate the fact that it's overplayed. I think part of the success may be due because of um, um, the romantic comedy Love Actually, yeah. which has now yeah. kind of become a sleeper hit. Uh, it's become a, a holiday classic now after so many Aryans over the years, and the the big uh, you know climax of that film includes that song as well. Right, so. yeah. Now, interestingly, too, uh, in December 2006, it became the first ringtone to achieve an RIAA gold certification for sales over 500,000. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So ringtones can go gold? Yeah. The next year, the ringtone was certified platinum for a million and then double platinum for two million in 2009. The ringtone far outsold sales of the single, actually, which, of course, wasn't issued until it was available digitally on iTunes in 2003 so yeah the, the digital single uh, was certified gold in 2005 but as a ringtone wow it outsold and hit gold platinum and then double platinum I mean, it's this song it, it's had so many lives i mean it's there's a picture book that's inspired by it uh that features all the lyrics of the song um and it, it's a very uh 
it's it's a young Mariah like character and she's she wants a puppy. All there was a video for not being a single. There was a video. There was. Oh yeah. And she's wearing that that Right. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one P and it's kind of kind of right. hot. Um but yeah, the uh, it, it's just, you know, there there are so many different uh things, so many interesting facts about this song too because when I was researching it, just things just kept coming. In fact, they actually discovered that goats, you'll love this. Goats goats produce more milk to this song than any other. Do you know that? Wow. Let me let me see if I can find that. Again. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even know how you come across that fact, much less research for it. Like who who chooses the several songs to play while goats are producing milk to see that this one right. was the greatest. Let me see if I can find it again. It was I found this and I I just I Well, laughed. while you're looking, I just will put a little plug in. I already told you Bare Naked Lady, Bare Naked for the Holidays by right. the Bare Naked Ladies is my favorite Christmas album. This may be my number 2. Uh, again, it's not as eclectic at all as the Bare Naked Ladies, but it has a really good mix of some of the more traditional Christian songs oh, yeah. and contemporary. And the mix of the two, a good example would be her version of Joy to the World yeah. includes the traditional hymn Joy to the World and the Three Dog Night song. Mm-hmm. And so there are some clever, clever things going on in that record. Yeah, I, I found it. Um, an English farmer named Angus, I'm going to Of course it's an name. English farmer. Bill uh, Kopolsky. That's my best guess. Discovered that goats produce more milk listening to this tune than any other song. The discovery was made at St. Helen's Farm near York. Uh, this is in England, where staff listen to music while they milk the goats. They found that the goats produced up to a half pint more when Carrie's famous Christmas track was played. So, yeah, it's, who knew? Yeah, that's the best fact of the evening yeah. here, folks. You know, she didn't even want to record this song, though. She didn't want to record a Christmas album. Really? Yeah. She um, she thought it was going to ruin her career, actually. And when they showed her the outfit, especially for the, you know, the, the video that we, we had mentioned, she actually, she, being a, being a diva, she, she threw a tantrum and then swore that they were trying to turn her into, um, Connie Francis is the actual line that she threw. And then she complained all day, I guess, because they actually filmed in the snow. It wasn't, right. you know, and it ruined her hair. So she was throwing a fit about that. And then, of course, the song went on. It's probably probably her most loved tune. Now she sings it, you know, very, right. uh, <laughs> very enthusiastically. But, yeah, she was not a fan of, of the Christmas album or the song originally. So, and it is. For me, it's a guilty pleasure because I'm not a huge Mariah fan, but... I, you know, as I said, people would raise an eyebrow because it's not a guilty pleasure for the m- most people. They people love the song, and yep. and for good reason. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't. I would only say it's a guilty pleasure because of how overplayed it is. I would not say it's a guilty pleasure by the song itself. No, it's a great song. Yep, great song. Okay, <laughs> my next one. This is if, if a Christmas song is my favorite crooner and favorite overall Christmas song. This is my favorite contemporary holiday song. Okay. Now, I, as, as I was kind of pulling my notes together, I assumed that this was pretty obscure. Um, even though it does appear on one of the very special Christmas albums, it, it appears on 1997's A Very Special Christmas 3. My wife informed me that, no, this, this does get quite a bit of airplay, at least on whatever stations or satellite stations she listens to. So maybe it's not as obscure as I thought. But it is, um, again, not being a lyrics first person, I like it first and foremost for its song structure, um, its melody, how it kind of goes into a round at the end of the song. Uh, but um, lyrically, it's very interesting because it's kind of the only agnostic Christmas song 
It borders on spiritual. Um, it's about somebody kind of as an adult looking back and kind of sorting through all of this person's beliefs and what Christmas means to them and how to find that capture, how to capture that Christmas spirit as an adult. It's a band that you probably haven't even thought about since the 1990s. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have no idea, no idea where you're going. The band is Blues Traveler. Really? And it's a song called Christmas. I don't know that I've ever heard it. It is epic. It is my favorite contemporary Christmas song. It is, I if I want to get in the Christmas spirit right now, you know, I will play this song. And it again, and it's a later song. So this this 1997. This isn't right. from my child. A lot of my picks are from from the from the later years. But this is one, you know, and, and we already mentioned a very special Christmas. It, it was put out. The first one was put out in 1987. Uh, Jimmy Iovine kind of wanted to put out a Christmas album to honor his late father. His wife recommended maybe that he do it for charity, and she was involved with the Special Olympics. Uh, Keith Haring drew the famous um, picture on the cover, which is kind of an abstract picture of, of, of Mary and Jesus. Right. And the first one in 97 was huge. In fact, I would argue that was the turning point. Not that there weren't rock Christmas albums before that, because there were, but it was mostly the jazz standards. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I think nine, 97 and the very special Christmas really opened Eight, the door. 87. 87. What did I say? 97. Yeah. Sorry. 97 was part three. Right. And 87 really opened the door for all these pop artists and rock artists to start recording Christmas albums. So it was kind of a watershed moment in my mind. But um, this was on number three. And again, three did not do nearly as well commercially as one and two did. Actually, there are seven of them now. I'm not even familiar with some of the later ones. Um, But this song is, I, I think you'll like, I think you'll like it a lot. Comes the time for Christmas. And I really have to ask If this is feeling Mary How much longer must it last I wish a one-horse open sleigh Would come carry me away But I've been waiting here all day And one just hasn't come my way Now excuse me if I'm not being reverent But I was hoping for a miracle to hold me, wash me Sings if it's Hanukkah or Kwanzaa Solstice harvest or December 25th Peace on earth to everyone And abundance to everyone You're with la la da 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 I don't know a lot about Blues Trap. I mean, everything I've heard by them, I've really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, they're I, solid. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But I, I they're not a band that I followed. Um, I did own the album that featured Runaround. I don't even remember the name of the album at this point. I, I yeah, Hook was on that album as well. Yeah. Um, I think that was their second album. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but yeah, I, if they have a Christmas tune, I, I don't know that I've ever heard it. Well, I, I'm, I'm most forward 
having you listen to this song. Okay. Yeah, in fact, I didn't even know there was a volume three of A Very Special Curse. I mean, I have I have one and two. One and two are the, are the classics. Right. Um, uh, three is, is solid. Okay. okay. I, I don't know that I've ever even seen volume. I didn't know there was a volume There's a live. Three. One of them is live. I think maybe number five is live, or they have a lot of the number songs. Five. How many of them are there? There are seven. Really? Like number seven came out I want to say in the last five or ten years so it's artists that like, seven, like Miley Cyrus and so forth seven so, volumes of that yes all I knew was volumes one and two right, right. oh man I, well, I, I am out of the loop folks definitely <laughs> listen listen to, to number three and okay. definitely pick up the live version I can't speak for some of the later ones but interesting yeah, yeah. I all I knew was volumes one and two those yeah because there are some I, really special moments on three there's an old again we, I'm not getting into the spiritual ones but there's a version of Oh Holy Night from Tracy Chapman Ooh, I bet that's good. That is just, it, it, I want to say it's almost acapella. It may be, but it's just incredible. Yeah, you're, get, you're getting. There's a, there's a Dave, I don't like, okay, I'm going to say this right. I do not care for the Dave, I'm not an anti-Dave Matthews guy. I'm just not a fan. There is a another spiritual song um, from Dave Matthews on part three, which is incredible. Okay, so that's, yeah, because you kept saying 97 and I was thinking 87. 97 so, was part three. Okay, yeah, I, I never knew. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gold. Uh, the first was was red. The red, second was green. was green. The third is gold. Okay. Yeah, check it out. Learn Billy Corgan new. has a uh, has a great song on there. Christmas time is here. Huh. Yeah. Learn okay. something new. Yeah. When that shocks me that I, I, huh? I mean, I'm usually up on music. I had no idea that yeah. that 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 yeah that album has had. That's so your many. holiday. That's your holiday <laughs> homework assignment. Wow. Okay. It's only been 23 years. Huh. <laughs> All right. Learn something new. All right, well, I am to my last pick for side A, and it is coming from my alternates list. Um, I, You know, I, I, I have to. I have, I have a lot of alternates here that I love, but I did not think I'd get to this, and why the hell not? I am going to go with a song from 1971. It's really not a song. Um, it is actually a, a spoken word. It is a very famous comedy skit by Cheech and Chong, called Santa Claus and his That's funny that you'd say that because when I make it my list, the first thing that my wife asked me was, are you going to put on the Cheech and Chong song? I said, no, I'm not, but maybe Alan will. I I wanted to from the start, but I I left it to my my alternate list. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> so this, oh, I remember listening to it as a kid, not understanding a word of it, right? laughing oh, hysterically. Exactly. I, it's just, you know, the, the classic Christmas bit, you know, by Cheech and Chong, it, it remains one of their very best known comedy routines. I, it didn't appear, though, on Cheech and Chong's debut album, um, although it has since received continued airplay on radio stations during the Christmas season, particularly those that switched to temporary all Christmas music formats. The routine actually peaked at number four on the Billboard Christmas Singles chart upon its original release in 71, and then it peaked again at number three on the same chart in both 72 and 73. Um, the sketch, you know, it starts with Cheech at the piano, and he's attempting to write that parody of Donde Esta Santa Claus, which is actually Spanish for Where Santa Claus, and it was at, that is actually a Christmas song from 1958, a Spanish Christmas uh, you know, Spanish Christmas song from 58. The guy with the hair in his jaws. Right. So, And, you know, he's, he's having a little success. Chong comes in, he enters and reveals that he's never heard of Santa Claus. So Cheech explains who he is, but from a hilariously unusual perspective. And then to Cheech's consternation, Chong continues to interrupt the story, saying he's played music with Santa. I, I just... I played with that dude. I still I didn't know any tunes. Oh, Dave, I, I laugh out loud every a damn time I A little more for Santa Claus. This. A little more for Santa Exa- Claus. Oh, it is... Santa it, Claus. It is the best. <laughs> I mean, you know, the routine, it is. It's laugh out loud funny. As funny today as it was the first time I heard it 40 plus years ago. 
And yeah, when and the San- little musical in- interludes that they, right. they spread throughout the song. Oh, and then the reindeer. Yeah. Oh. Not not only does he give the magic dust to to you know the reindeer and himself Get him off. a little bit more to himself, but they flew all the way when, around the world when he man. starts calling out Donner and Blitzen and Chewie and Tabo and Mecto. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to, if I, if I'm going to my alternate list, I have to yeah. include this. No, I'm song. glad you included that. Mama, mama, cita, donde esta Santa Claus? The vato with a bony knees is coming down the street with no shoes on his feet and he's going to... No, no, that ain't it. Mama, mamacita, donde esta Santa Claus? The guy with the hair on his jaws is... Hey, man, come over here, man. I need some help, man. Yeah, man, I can dig that. Like, uh, what are you doing, man? I'm trying to write a song about Santa Claus, man, but it's not coming about out. About who, man? man? About Santa Claus, man. You know Santa Claus, oh, man? Oh, yeah, man. I played yeah, with I those dudes, help. man. What? Yeah, last year at the Fillmore, man. Me and you the bass player sat him? in, man. Oh, oh hey, man, you think man. Santa Claus is a groove, huh? No, it's not a groove, man. Would they break up, man? Oh, no, man, it's one guy, man. You know, he had, he had a red suit on, man, with black pant leather shoes. You know the guy. Hey, man. Oh, yeah. He's with Motown, ain't he? No, man. Yeah, he's I play not. with that dude, oh. too. Man. <laughs> no, yeah, he's man. a good singer, man. No, no. Hold on, man. He's not with Motown, man. Well, then he's with Buddha, man. No. Oh, man. You don't know who Santa Claus is, man. Yeah, well, I'm not from here, man. Like, I'm from Pittsburgh, man. I don't know too many local dudes. Oh, I see. Well, hey, man. Sit back and relax, and I'll tell you the story about Santa Claus, man. All right, your, your, your turn. All right, well, my next, this is my number six, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we are done six. with side A after this. Okay, so I guess, I, well, you know what? The match that we had very early on is actually a match on my second oh, okay. side. I'm still not going to include it because I want to keep the whole mixtape gotcha. separate. So it's really not a match, so I'll, I'll okay. pick my alternate. No, that's then. fair. Yeah, wrapping paper was actually my sixth. Okay. So I, I literally just replaced it. All so. right, so um, one thing I've noticed about Christmas um, in the holiday season is that it is the one time of the year where jazz music is allowed in the mainstream. I know you're a much bigger jazz fan oh, than I am. I love jazz. And it, that's one, that is one of the, that, that's one of the premier, one of the paramount reasons that I love Christmas music. Yes, I can see that. Totally. Absolutely. It, it's like allowed on the airwaves, you know, really, really good jazz music. And one of my, again, I'm not a, a jazz aficionado as you are, but I do have my favorites and Ella Fitzgerald mm. and her, Incredible Ella Wishes You a Swinging Christmas from 1960 is in my top five and maybe number three. I might have identified my top three favorite Christmas albums here today. And, you know, you could really literally go with almost any song on this particular collection. Absolutely. But I went with my favorite of hers and it's since been included. I talk about how they pick these up. This was always one of my favorites. And then it was in the movie Elf. Mm -hmm. Sleigh Ride. Yep. And, And the reason I love it so much is, you know, it. Some Christmas songs, we talked about Dylan, some Christmas songs or Christmas renditions are kind of just forced renditions of what's already there. It's the artists that really make it their own, make it special, make it identifiable. That's what makes a song that's maybe been done over and over again great. There are two versions of the song that are great, and they're very, very different. The Boston Pops, which is instrumental, which is incredible, very recognizable. And then Ella Fitzgerald's version. See, I got at a third, though. What's that? I, the Ronettes. From, oh, okay. From, no, no. From yes, a very yes, special yes, Christmas I for agree. you. Yes. Uh, from, or, yeah, I, from, I would put that one right up there as well. Because that one, to me, uh, when, when and again, it's Phil Spector's album, it's Wall of Sound, but when the Ronettes sing Sleigh Ride, oh, 
But I, I, but you, I am but, not going to disagree with but you. But like you Ella, say, Ella in, is, in Mariah, Cara, Mariah Carey does the Ronettes arrangement on her album. Yeah. Because you're right. They're very, that's the great thing. All three of those arrangements are very different. One's rock and roll with a little sleigh ride interlude. Yep. Uh, one is classical and of course one is, is jazz. And so that's what a perfect example of the same song yep. and how, it, how the artist and the arranger makes all the difference. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy-yap, 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 let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy yap, giddy yap, giddy yap, it's grand. Just holding your hand. We're gliding along with the song of a wintry fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy cozy, are we? We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be. Let's take that road before us and sing a chorus or two. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Frank DeVolz is the was the arranger and, and the conductor paired with Ella for this album, and it just it, it, again, if you just take time and listen to the orchestration alone and and the personality in between the, the vocals, it it just makes this song. Yeah. But the whole thing, top to bottom, again, if you're looking for a new, some a lot of people on social media say that they like our particular program because it introduces them to new music, and so if that's the case for you, if you've not heard those several Christmas albums I mentioned, then put that at the top. They're all on Spotify. That's all. All right. Well, we have to sequence side A. We'll be back after this. Yep. All right. And we are back and we have sequenced side A of our Gen X mixtape holiday special. Yes. Not to be confused with the George Lucas (laughs) Star Wars holiday special. You know, I actually own a bootleg copy of that. I do as well. But have you watched the Lego version of the George Lucas holiday special? God, no. There's a Lego version of Do you of have that. Disney Plus? Yeah. Then you need to watch the Lego version a Le- oh. of the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, I am all in. Okay. And it includes a lot of the new characters as well from, really? the, from the sequels, but it pokes fun appropriately at the... Does it follow the I mean, Chewbacca and his family? And To tell you the truth, I haven't watched the entire thing. Okay. I read about it and I started it and didn't get a chance to finish. But um, yeah, Chewbacca's in it. The, I think the Life Day song. I, th- I think all of that stuff is included. Uh, I'm going to have to. <laughs> and the, the only... The only I, here's the thing. <laughs> the George Lucas... Star Wars Christmas special is so awful that it's good. I'll just throw that out there. I mean, it, it's even with B. Arthur singing in the yeah. Cantina. I mean, it is it is so 
notoriously bad, but that's what makes it so deliciously good. Um, but it did introduce the world to Boba Fett. Yes, so, it did. You it know, did. The animated sequence of Boba Fett. Um, uh, you know, I actually have an album too. Have you ever heard the Christmas in the Stars album? Uh, I had that. With John it was bon one of the Jovi. vinyl Christmas albums. Yes. What do you get a Wookiee for Christmas? Christmas yep. in the Stars. I almost included a track from that. I almost did. I came real close. It wasn't on Spotify, which is one of the reasons why I didn't. Oh, I didn't even look for yeah, it. I, actually I, I just talked myself out of it. So, okay, well, I'm glad that I didn't then. <laughs> but I do own a copy, and there's nothing like John Bon Jovi rocking out with 3PO. Right. Uh, so, um, and, and R2, of course. Um, yeah, wow. I did not know that there was a new Christmas special from the Star Wars universe. I'm, I have my... my I have my intended I'm, viewing for tonight. Though. I was going to say, I'm surprised Lucas uh, approved it, but he has no say anymore. Well, yeah, he doesn't, you know. He, <laughs> he, he famously tried to destroy all copies of that with a sledgehammer, but if you... Yeah, I keep waiting for Disney to release the original cut of... Boy, that would really burn ...Star up. Wars. I actually own it on DVD. Oh, you mean the original cut of Star Wars, not yeah. the holiday special? No, no, no. no. Well, I, yeah, I don't see them ever releasing that, although I, I do own a bootleg copy, so... Um, okay, let, let's go through the sequence here. Um, we are going to begin... Our mixtape, side A, uh, with All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. And that will lead into Elf's Lament by the Bare Naked Ladies. Actually, from Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, yeah, Bare Naked. You, ooh, you weren't even on the ball. You didn't correct me, or did I just correct myself before you had the I, I just thought I'd let it go. Okay. I've been too harsh on you. I appreciate that. Followed by, and I am a, I am a horrible Hebrew. I, I just want to throw that out there. That was pretty good alliteration. I am a horrible Hebrew. It is eight days of Hanukkah, and I've been calling it eight nights of Hanukkah the entire episode. Um, in my defense, you know, Hanukkah, everything that happens takes place at night, so, um, but I, I swear I I should have known better. Um, it is eight days of Hanukkah. Dave said it's a, you know, simple mistake, um, but, you know, the one Hanukkah track on here and, you know... Uh, Jewish Alan has to You let all the out. Jews down, Alan. I did, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I do know the difference between a brisket and a brisket. So there, there is but that. There is so, a big yeah. difference. And, I, <laughs> and, and for all it's worth, I might have said the bare naked ladies in the first half of the show. You might have. I, I wasn't. I, hmm, I don't know. Didn't listen that closely. It's the same way with, even though technically the band is called Eagles, Nobody just says eagles. Everybody no, says yeah. the eagles or the eagles. Now, I'm going to call them the Indigo Girls. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> for, you know, for time infinitum because I, I expect to, they'll they'll make plenty of of uh, episodes in the future. Um, but yeah, those were the two bare naked ladies and Indigo Girls. I think we threw a the in there the entire first season. Um, all right, I digress. Eight Days of Hanukkah by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, followed by Backdoor Santa by Clarence Carter, Santa Claus and His Old Lady by Cheech and Chong followed by Christmas by Blues Traveler, Sleigh Ride by Ella Fitzgerald, Into the Christmas Song by Nat King Cole, Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt, Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses, Must Be Santa by Bob Dylan, and we end side A with Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Excellent. Yeah, that is a that is a solid first half. So... It barely scratches the surface of all the great holiday music out there, but it's a start. It is. Well, we got another dozen coming next week. Yep, we so, have part um, B. Yeah. Side so B. Look, looking, looking forward to the continuation. So come back next week for another 12 songs of Christmas. You can sing one song per 
per day, 12 days of Christmas. Can you explain the 12 days? I've never understood the 12 days of Christmas. What do you want to know? What are the 12 days? As what a are Jew, they? Like, I have no literally, idea. Literally, or what do they mean? What, well, I, no, I get the symbolism of each okay. gift, but are there 12 days? I've never understood where this number, magic number 12 days of Christmas comes from. I was going to say, is that, that, is like it the part advent of, calendar? But that's I think what that's, I was going to say. Is it part but I think of that's advent? more than 12 days. I think the advent calendar is the month. entire month of yeah. December. So um, I have no clue other than the fact that 12 is one of those numbers, like seven and three that appears well, yeah, throughout literature and the Bible. And Yeah, it's the number of... Uh, Climax and disciples and uh, yeah, the tribe, I, I, weren't there twelve tribes of Israel? Twelve, as well? yeah, yeah. So. Um, hmm, I don't know. I, I just always wonder why there were twelve days. Well, we have twelve songs, and we will bring them to you next week when we deliver side B of our holiday special. Hot. Um, and, well, good. Until then, uh, just a quick shout out. We do have sponsors to thank. We want to talk uh, talk up uh, both Jay Callahan Painting and Affordable live Tuesday night trivia, please uh, visit both on Facebook. And now, go ahead. <laughs> Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk, or in this case, holiday classics, another mix of holiday memories awaits next week. You can tell we're out of practice. I feel like we're out of practice. Well, why is that? I don't know. Just this, uh, this has been so much fun, but I feel maybe it's because we're 12 feet away. It could be that I, too I don't as know. well. Uh, but for now... <laughs> Press pause. No. Press pause. Yeah. Press I pause. I wrote my lines down. So. See, I was not that. I told you I'm out of practice. <laughs> but for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject. But we will see you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.